just take 30 seconds to chat to the person next to you and um, tell them one story from your life in the last week or two or so where you were kind to somebody. Just a little tiny thing. You know, we're not talking about enormous kindness. Just, oh, maybe it is enormous kindness. Just some little kindness. 30 seconds. Give it a go. Okay, that'll do. Later tonight I'll tell you a story where I found it very hard to be kind. So you can look forward to that. We're looking tonight at the gift of mercy. And uh, this is the second in a series. It's going to go on for ages and ages. Aren't you pleased about that? I am. Actually, I'm quite looking forward to it, thinking about the topics and trying to focus on each of the gifts or many of the gifts that are mentioned in the scriptures. And uh, last time we uh, looked at one of the gifts, which was hospitality. That gift where you is the bridging gift, bringing people from the outside to the inside to the body of Christ. And uh, now we're going to look at the gift of mercy. Uh, let me just do a little kind of quick overview. I did exactly the same thing last time, but I want to reinforce these ideas. And uh, they're key passages. There are four passages, and it's good to remember them. And they're easy, because there's two chapter 12s and two chapter 4s. That's right. Every now and then I'm just going to miss a word out. You have to fill it in, or something. Okay, so we've got Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4. And uh, they're great passages to sit alongside and read them and see the way they come at things. Some similarities, some differences. And uh, what you see when you line them all up is that in one passage, it's described as the gift of the Spirit. These gifts are from the Spirit. Another one that talks about them as gifts from Christ. Another one that talks about them as gifts from God. So we, we're better off talking, instead of them gifts of the Spirit or spiritual gifts, Trinitarian gifts. Kind of a better way to orient ourselves towards them. The body metaphor is the dominant metaphor. The idea that we are the body of Christ. Christ is the head. His spirit is the, the thing that flows through the whole body. And that picture of us linked together, working together for God, is the kind of dominant picture. And the gifts are all for the benefit of all in order to do Christ's work on earth. There is an originating priority. It's my word. I've just made up. Um, well, I didn't make up the word, but I'm using it in this context and kind of that, that flows out of the teaching gifts. And a little later in the series, we'll look at some of the teaching gifts, the word gifts, and how they energize and originate the other gifts and keep them on track. And then the other thing to notice is that all of us have to do a bit of this stuff, but some of us have the gift. And so let's launch now into our, our uh, topic tonight, and that is the gift of mercy. Mercy is where people are kind, particularly to those outside, to those who are afflicted, to those who are suffering, those in difficulty. The gift of mercy, people with that gift, are out there kind towards those people in trouble, in difficulty. Some people have the gift. Romans 12, there is a gift of mercy. And so you see in that passage that was read, that long list of all these different, if you've got this gift, use it. If you've got it, use it. If you've got it, use it. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Cheerful use of the gift of mercy. But also, as we've been seeing, everybody's to be merciful. Everyone's to show mercy. And so the passage in James, if you have a look there, this is, this is um, you know, don't do all that bad stuff, do all this good stuff. Wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace, reap a harvest of right. That's for everybody. Everybody should be those things. Notice mercy is one of those things. So you're all to show mercy. Some have the gift of mercy. This is such an important thing for us to get. 
None of us can sit back and go, oh, I've got the gift, I won't do it. No, no, no. Pretty much all the gifts, there'll be another verse somewhere that says everyone should do them. But the flip side of that is, while everyone's kind of showing mercy, some you'll find have the gift. And we've got to keep saying those two things and getting that balance in the life of our church. And when we get that understanding and in that groove, it will make us all work a whole lot better as the body of Christ. And we'll enjoy each other more and we'll understand our own place a whole lot better. Mercy. It seems to me that each of the gifts has a kind of primary driver, Bible passages, concepts, ideas that fuel them up. And the person with that gift gets very excited when they hear about that Bible idea and driver. And it seems to me that the gift of mercy is driven primarily by the sense of the brokenness of the world, the effects of sin in the world. And they see what that does to people's lives in all the different aspects of people's lives. And when they see that, it, it rises up within them a concern, a desire to act, to do something, to fix it, to, to change it, to alleviate that problem. And whether we're talking about physical sickness or grieving times of death or near death, or whether we're talking about a brokenness in relationships where there's pain in the way people are treating each other, or whether we're thinking of just the, the, the hindrance to so many people's lives for them to develop and be whole people, the gift of mercy comes and says, ah, this is something that hurts me deeply and motivates me to action. That's the gift of mercy. Uh, it is primarily, I'd suggest to you, a thing that's outside the body of Christ. Now, there is mercy shown in the church, of course. Uh, we generally call it as part of a package of pastoral care, pastoral counselling, those sorts of things. We'll look at that as another time, another topic. But I want to focus particularly as we think about the world and its brokenness, its suffering, the effect of sin that is, uh, is in each people's, people's lives or in, in, in families or in even communities. That's what mercy is about, reaching out into that. Now, as we did last time, and each time I want to do is I want to say, if this is a gift from God, he must have it in the first place. He's got mercy. It's all tucked up with him. And that's what he gives. And so our series, you might recall, is grace with a ribbon on it, wrapped up in a person, one of you, several of you, with the gift of mercy. So we have, we have grace given by God, which links to a gift. So God and mercy. Let's think about that. God has compassion for the mess of this world. That's where it all starts. And if you're a person with the gift of mercy and you, you've got compassion for the brokenness of this world and the mess of people's lives, it started with God and he's given it to you. Uh, very early in the scripture story, after things go wrong, Genesis 3, in the garden. It's a mess. And God is pronouncing judgment, but he's also pronouncing gospel. He's pronouncing grace into that story. You know, it's such a pathetic scene. Do you remember the passage where they, they take the fruit and then one of the first realisations is they realise they're naked. Up until then, relationships have been pure and holy and good and honest and open and it's all stuffed up. It comes to a complete mess. And what do they do? Well, desperately they sew fig leaves together. It's kind of pathetic, isn't it? 
And, and that's, that's in fact how it's presented. This is a pathetic attempt to overcome the brokenness that's in each one of them, Adam and Eve, and between them. Who told you you were naked? God says. And, and they've got this, this pathetic attempt to hide from God in their nakedness. It's a symbol of their heart that has gone wrong, that is, is ruined, is spoiled in so many ways. And the grace of God comes into that situation. I don't know if you've seen the little verse uh, towards the end of chapter 3, and we, we won't look at it specifically, but you can look later. And it says, and God made them garments of skin. He gave them something that was not solving the problem, but was a whole lot better than their attempt was something that was, it was an act of grace. The theologians call this the first gospel, the proto-euangelion, the first gospel moment, where God says, despite the mess you created, I'll bring goodness, I'll bring, bring grace in this moment. God gives them mercy in their brokenness. Can't help but think of a passage later, like in Exodus, at the start of the book of Exodus, when the people of uh, gone down and they're in Egypt and become slaves after having favour originally in the land, things turn complete mess and mush. And then their cry goes up, it says, as slaves, their cry goes up and God hears and in his compassion, in his mercy, he acts for their good. This little series is running cheek by jowl with our series on the Ten Commandments and it's just after that period that God gives the Ten Commandments to the new people. They flee the land. God's grace is to get them out of Egypt and then to establish them as a new nation. What a great thing it is we've been seeing that, that the blessing of God in giving those commandments to the people. God's compassion on them, that he wants them to be a compassionate people. And if you were to read on and on through Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, you'd see many of the laws are about the mercy of God. And the base rock of so many of them is, this is the kind of God I am, that's the kind of society you'll have. You look after the orphans, you look after the widows, you look after the sojourner, the traveller who comes through, the person lost, the person at the bottom of the heap. You'll care for those people. The society that you build will be a compassionate society. That's the point of those laws. There'll be honesty, there'll be integrity in the way people function. God hears and he acts to rescue and he establishes the people as a new people. You jump ahead in the scriptures in the Old Testament, you see that incredible passage of the suffering servant. There are four of them, five of them perhaps in Isaiah, depending how you count. And you come through to the passage that describes the Messiah as one who will, in his ministry, not break a bruised reed and not snuff out a smouldering wick. It's very easy to break bruised reeds. They just kind of fust. Very easy to snuff out. You then just go like that, and you snuff out a smouldering wick. But not the suffering servant. That passage, of course, applied directly to Jesus in Matthew's Gospel. His ministry is seen that way. And, and in a, in a context, interestingly, of where others are saying, no, don't perform this miracle, a man with a withered hand. Don't perform this miracle, but because Jesus is that compassionate one in his ministry. The withered armed man, a very different meaning from our society. The man who had so little was so thought, looked down on and, and thought lowly of himself that Jesus should have compassion. So many times we're told in the Gospels that Jesus saw the crowds and had compassion. 
They're like sheep without a shepherd. He says, that's a disaster. Sheep without a shepherd. Um, we, we don't think about it too much because we don't see a lot of sheep. I'd love to have sheep. I've got chickens. We've just got a new house. We've got chickens with our house. We've got four. We've got eggs. It's all good. Chickens without a chicken looker after us. Sheep without a shepherd. And um, what it does in Jesus, it, it, it moves him. The, the, the word is um, this really odd word, splankizomite, compassion. It's moving within. You know, it raises up within him. It, it, it's a motivating thing, his mercy, the compassion. He does something about it. He preaches, he teaches, he heals, he ministers. He protects the people from the mess that's around them, that's oppressing them spiritually. He's a, speci- a spiritual releaser is Jesus. That's his mercy, his compassion. Uh, particularly, it's a theme in Luke's Gospel. You just see in Luke's Gospel again and again and again, people of different outcast groups at the bottom of society, the people that no one else would have much to do with, people that the official religion had excluded, he would embrace. And they would change through his love. And then, of course, this uh, theme of the compassion of Christ leads all the way to the cross. There's that little passage that says, Jesus is describing it, and he says, and the Son of Man must suffer and be crucified, and on the third day rise. There, there is something about the compassion of Christ, that the way his, his public ministry was conducted that meant he must suffer, he must be that suffering servant. And in his ministry and then in his death, he would show compassion for this world. It is a broken and divided world. It is a, a world of mess, of confusion, of disorientation. The effects of sin are everywhere, and mercy sees it and acts. And then there's that delicious passage right at the end of the gospel, right at the end of the Bible, Revelation 21, where we're told that when the new Jerusalem comes, there'll be no more crying or tears. No more mourning or sadness. Uh, quite extraordinary, isn't it? We're so used to that. That's the world we live in. It wasn't the world of Genesis 1 and 2. It became the world from Genesis 3 onwards. And the final story, you see, that we have the first gospel pronouncement here, I guess, in one way, is the final gospel pronouncement, that all the effects of sin are taken away. That Christ shows the ultimate compassion to restore this world to a new thing. And it comes down out of heaven. It's a gift. It's not a thing we create from below and we present to God. It's a thing that comes down from heaven and it's the world that we exist in. The grace of God to overcome the mess of this world. Well, these are the Bible ideas, a little summary of them anyway, of the compassion of God which leads to his mercy. And we see it again in the ministry of Christ. And we see it too in our brothers and sisters in this room, those who have the gift of mercy. These concepts come together deliciously to motivate particular people. And they motivate them to be different people in this world. People who see the suffering and troubles of this world and they say, I must act. I can do no other but to go and live and live for those people to relieve them of their pain and suffering. And we have different ways of doing it. Um, But all those different ways all contribute to the body of Christ. That is Christ's work in the world. The gift of mercy for the body of Christ. Well, let me give a few ideas. Um, It it is the heart of God to do this. 
our God sees the brokenness of this world. And to go out into the world and heal the brokenness, in whatever way that might be, formally or informally, uh, whatever way that happens, that is the work of God, from the heart of God. It is a beautiful picture where the effects of the fall are reversed in the work of God and the work of God's people. And whether it's formal as a member of a visitation team to a hospital or to a prison, whether it's um, somebody who goes in house-to-house ministry, something like that, formally as part of a team, or whether it's informal, just a person who is that kind, caring person who sees the problem and steps up to the mark and looks after those people. That is the gift of mercy being lived out. The person in the neighbourhood, the person in the club, the person at the school, the person at work, doing those acts of kindness, motivated by the brokenness of this world. And as we think about this gift too, really important for us to remember how significant it is to make the message have integrity. See, God is interested in the whole of life, the whole of our beings, the whole of our relationships, the whole of our society, the whole of this world. And people who have the gift of mercy and use that, uh, that gift in their daily living are people who bring incredible integrity to the Christian message. Because they're not just saying, oh, we want you to just come and be a part of us. They're saying, whoever you are, we will love you. We will show the love of God to you no matter who you are. And we will do it selflessly and we will do it sacrificially. And the people of the gift of mercy are at the forefront of building integrity for the life of the church. And it is a beautiful thing to see. And when people see it, they are amazed because grace comes. And it's a world that's not so used to grace. The gospel is about wholeness. Not just for those inside the church, but for the whole world. The other thing I want to say about this gift as it relates within the body is how important it is that the gift of mercy link up with other gifts. There are a number of gifts that are kind of outside gifts. You know that last week we looked at hospitality as that bridging gift. Uh, uh, Mercy works best when it links up with one of the other gifts or all the other gifts that are outside gifts. And I'm just uh, thinking of um, three particularly. To work alongside the evangelist. Now, one of the things I've noticed is that people with the gift of mercy and people with the gift of evangelism often misunderstand each other. And instead of working together, ideal, they work apart. I'll bring the word of God. I see the cause of your sin. I'll fix it, the evangelist. I'll bring the message of Christ. And the person with the gift of mercy, I see the effects of sin. And I'll fix it. I'll bring the love of Christ, the compassion of Christ. Man, oh man, if those two things got together, it becomes way, way more powerful. And if they stopped being annoyed at each other for having a different gift and started getting on with each other, what a change that would make in our communities. The gift of mercy and the gift of evangelism working together, it'll be hard and wonderful. The other gift that often goes alongside is the gift of justice. I don't think there's actually a Bible verse that says there's a gift of justice, but I see some people working like that to change the way society functions. So the gift of mercy is about the effects of sin in the world. The gift of justice is people who want to change the way the society functions to lessen the amount of pain, difficulty and suffering. And those two things, certainly the justice thing is a big Bible idea and mercy often sits alongside it. So I'm going to suggest to you that when people with mercy and justice work together, that's a good thing as well. 
And then also another little group, which again, there's no verse about it, but apologists. These are not people who say sorry all the time. Apologist is a technical term. A person who is a defender gives an apology for the faith. And so, as I was saying before, the integrity of the faith that comes from the gift of mercy, to have people alongside that saying, let me explain the faith to you, let me defend it, as it were, uh, then that, that works well. And I think those four groups working together would be a really powerful thing. Evangelist, mercy, justice, apologist. Uh, that would be um, an impressive thing in our community, in our society. I guess the other one that uh, is, is kind of outward looking is the uh, apostle. But we'll look at that again under a separate category another time. So, um, gift of mercy working with others is ideal. And then if people with a gift of hospitality are linking those people back into the life of the church, then that is a really positive and strong thing for the body of Christ. As we've been looking uh, last week, last time I preached, and uh, we will each time, the shadow side of mercy. What a curious idea. The shadow side. Each gift has got its shadow side. And um, this is true for all of them. If you think you're the only one that's got the right gift, then everybody else should have your gift. This, this is a major failing of all of us. We all think that everybody should just be like me and do the world and faith like me. Not all of us. Too many of us. So um, to get that clear that I have got this gift, gift has, God has strangely gifted me with this and I oughtn't expect others to have the gift in the same measure that I do. Then you're released to use your gift and have compassion on them for not having their gift, but then you're released to enjoy their gift and what they contribute to the, the uh, body of Christ. Another uh, part of the shadow side of mercy is there is sometimes a naivety, um, or at least it can appear a naivety, that you know, there's all this problem out there and I'm going to go and fix it in the name of God. That, that can sometimes happen, not always, certainly. And another thing um, that ties up with that is sometimes that uh, people with the gift of mercy can burn out easily. You know, how big are the problems of the world? Well, pretty big, aren't they? You know, and when it does rise up within you, I've got to go and fix that, do that, help that, in the name of Christ. And if you have a sense that there's not that many people around helping me with this, and even if there were another thousand helping me with it, there's still this enormous amount of hurt and heal, uh, need for healing, then it is possible to burn out in this gift. I guess true in any gift, but I think this one particularly, because it's kind of a bottomless pit of suffering until Christ returns. And then another one that I particularly want to mention, I've, I've flagged already, is that you can see yourself somehow in contrast with the evangelist. Oh, the evangelist just wants to see him saved, but I want him to see him healed. Well, put those things together, would you? <laughs> put them together, and then we're functioning far better as we reach out into the community. Okay, I just want to finish with a little story um, that will illustrate, I think, the difference between those who have the gift of mercy and those who don't. And... Um, I need to warn people that this, is, this story is PG-rated for grossness, okay? You'll cope, you'll cope. You've seen worse on telly, but I'm going to tell you the story. Okay, um, this is about 20 years ago when I used to work in a nursing home as a minister. And I would visit um, once a week, and I'd go to the nursing home, and I'd conduct a communion service, and we'd sing songs, all old ones, you know, that the older people would like. And I, I was there, and... Um, I had this team of people, actually it's the wrong way to say it right from the start, there was this team of people who had me. The team of people all had the gift of mercy. Uh, they were women in their 60s mostly. Um, 
and they were incredible at caring for the people in the nursing home. They genuinely loved them. They kept up with them. They, they would pop in and help them out with things through the week and they'd go and play Scrabble with them and, and they would share about the needs of one and the other and they'd be praying for each other as they cared for the others. And one time one of the women said something about, you know, we're assisting you, Stuart, with your ministry. And said, no, it's the other way around. I just pop in and do a communion service and give you encouragement and say what a great job you're doing, because they were. And, um, you know, I do the formal bit up the front of the little service and, and they do all the work. In fact, I used to arrive like 5 to 10. And they'd have already been there from 9 o'clock getting everybody ready and wheeling them in, lot on wheelchairs and stuff, and bring them in and do the service. I was just very impressed by these people. There's one particular day at this nursing home, and it's etched deep, dark in my memory. I can still remember where I stood that day. They brought in a woman who I didn't know. And, you know, every now and then there'd be a new person, but, but this was a woman I didn't know. And it was a, actually a Catholic nursing home, and um, we didn't get many Catholics. Occasionally one would come in, but I suspected she might have been a Catholic. You know, I don't know how she ended up there, and I never saw her again, but she was there. And she was like... Um, she seemed a nice enough lady, but she did have a problem, and that is she had this kind of bubble in her nose. I did say there's a bit of grossness here. So I'm, I'm kind of, you know, just chatting to people and noticing things around the room, and they wheel another person in or two, and I'm setting up my little communion things, and the bubble's getting longer. And we're not talking a little winter sniffle here. We're talking full-on green. I'm going, okay, Lord. I'll just wait a little longer because one of these ladies will notice. And they're really good at looking after people. I don't even know this lady. I did tell you it was a story where I wasn't kind, didn't I? This was. And I'm going to do some other things and chat to somebody else and this rotten green thing is getting bigger and it's about to hit the top of the lip. I'm thinking, well, surely not me. I don't have the gift of mercy. All these other people have the gift of mercy. And they didn't notice. I was the only one that noticed. And then I'm looking around for tissues. And we often have tissues for obvious reasons in these sorts of places. And I was thinking about, you know, a pad of about 10 or 15 tissues. Might just be able to kind of manage it. No tissues. So I had to get my own handkerchief out of my own pocket. You say that, but you weren't there at the time. It wasn't going through your head. Very easy for you to judge me. And I'm just looking around waiting for the very last, last minute that somebody, one of these lovely, caring women who had the gift of mercy would show mercy to this woman. And they just weren't going to do it. So, Lord, I got out my pocket, out of my pocket, my handkerchief, and I went up to a person I didn't know, and I wiped her green screens. Twenty years ago, I remember the story. Is it obvious I don't have the gift of mercy? Is that obvious? And yet what was God calling me to at that moment? Was to show mercy. Now, if I was to tell you all the things that those women who had the gift of mercy had done in care for the many, many people in that nursing home, the list would go on and on and on. And wiping a nose wouldn't even rate. That's the great thing about the gift of mercy. It seems so effortless for those who have it. And some of us have got the gift, and some of us don't. We've still got to show mercy. But you know, when we see the people who have the gift of mercy, the rest of us, well, we just clap. <laughs> we just look at what they do, and we just say, that is so good. 
But God has motivated you, strengthened you, gifted you to do that stuff. What a joy it is. And we just clap and appreciate God's gift wrapped up with a ribbon and it's you. Amen.